Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Ion Veterans ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Welcome back to CBS Eye on Veterans for ConnectingVets.com, the military news and veteran lifestyle website. I'm Navy vet Phil Briggs, and today we're going to share the story of a Special Forces veteran, a Hollywood actor, director, and filmmaker, and a groundbreaking new video game with them, Frontlines. The game offers players one of the most unique gaming experiences ever. As described on their website, no friction, no fantasy, no fakes. With them puts the player in the boots of real soldiers experiencing combat in some of the exact same places they actually served. It's also a story of career transition and how the game really came to life. Thanks to a connection this veteran made on Heroes Linked, a networking and career site that helps veterans get connected with industry experts and mentors that help them find jobs, grow their business, and in this case, even help design a groundbreaking video game. So here to share their stories are Sean Piotz, the Chief Operating Officer at Or System, the game developers. Before working in this field, Sean's Army service was from 1994 until 2017 in U.S. Army Special Forces as an operations training and intelligence professional, where as we'll hear, he did the amazing things the Green Berets do. We're also joined by Devin Reed. Devin is a classically trained actor, director, producer, and writer who's appeared in television series, films, ranging from dramatic thrillers to romantic comedies, and his stage work includes The Dollhouse, Romeo and Juliet, and Frankie and Johnny, just to name a few. So with that, let's say hello to Devin and Special Forces veteran, Sean Piotz. Guys, how you doing? Good, Phil. Thanks for having us on today. We really appreciate being here. Now, a lot to get to. So before we get to the game, before we get to the career transition and, uh, you know, really how you two guys hooked up on Heroes Linked, uh, let's start like we always do with the bullet points. Um, Give me some of the greatest hits from your career. Talk to me about what it was like in Special Forces. Uh, so I joined when I was 17 on the late entry program, um, initially was assigned to Germany. I had seen, a, a, you know, the Green Berets when I was a kid and, and I was always inspired by a movie, coincidentally. Uh, and I took the walk and I was fortunate enough to be part of that organization for, for more than 25 years uh, through multiple deployments to the Middle East and 
to 30 different countries around the globe. But, you know, that that type of experience, you just can't find anywhere else in the military. Yeah. That's as short as I can be on bio. (laughs) Yeah, no doubt. You you guys do a lot of things uh, we probably can't even talk about here on this show. Uh, Devin, you do a lot of things we can talk about. Actor, filmmaker, producer, director. Uh, Tell me about yourself, man. Sure, sure. Um, Well, my background is uh, the film industry. So I grew up as an actor and I like to call myself uh, a slashy now because I'm an actor, producer writer and sometimes director. I'm a member of uh, the Screen Actors Guild, and I'm also a member of the Producers Guild of America and the Television Academy. And um, my my main thing is telling stories. I'm a storyteller, and um, uh, my follower was, was military. I have a lot of friends who are military and have a lot of high respect. And so I love to share their stories. Um, and Heroes Link um, provided me the opportunity to be an, uh, an advisor for anyone looking to get into the the entertainment field or wanting to tell their stories in a creative way and through that endeavor connected uh sean and i yeah man and uh what you can't see on radio or in a podcast is uh you're right out of central casting Devin. i mean you got the look for tv uh you know the background there uh you know you got it all going on man <laughs> absolutely uh, now, Sean, let's uh, roll back into the veteran memory lane here. And uh, you served during the height of the global war on terrorism and uh, special forces. You know, really, they make some connections in the area of operations and, you know, they do it on like a deep granular level. Talk to me a little bit about what it was like being special forces. So ours is really a legacy of learning. And when I tell people that I was a teacher for 28 years, they, they kind of look at me funny. Like, weren't you? Weren't you a green brass? Yeah, that's what I am. It's a teacher. And so when you consider the different missions of some of the special operations forces across the world, ours is really one of teaching. Ours is to go to foreign countries and to teach them to defend themselves against tyranny. Uh, we have many other missions, obviously, and you saw those showcased over the last literally 25 years in Iraq and Afghanistan. The direct action missions are are part of our mission set, but then so is foreign internal defense and unconventional warfare. And we consider ourselves to be pretty high on the chain for unconventional warfare as it pertains to that skill set. And so generally what it involves for us is the ability to, you know, infiltrate undetected uh, behind enemy lines, link up with a partisan force, and then turn that partisan force into what we need them to be to achieve the goals of the United States strategic objectives. I think, you know, the teaching portion of that, and I've been in many countries, we we go over on things called joint combined exchange training, where we literally link up with, and and these aren't those type of missions that you're going to read about in books. These are pretty run of the mill for us, but it's link up, it's train, it's make their military better so that they can defend themselves. Uh, I'm, I'm happy to let somebody else die for their country. I will if I need to for my own, obviously, but for them, we'd like them to die for their country, not us. And so... <laughs> The, the the analogy is, um, you know, we, we train the snake to eat the other snake. That's what we're up to. Exactly. That is really the core of what Special Forces is all about. De oppresso libere, right? The liberating of the oppressed, working by, with, and through our local partners to try to achieve the mission. And uh, man, it's not always easy. But I know along the road, uh, there are some deeply personal connections you guys have made and I always love getting these stories from the operator community share with me you know some of those connections that you made yeah so um in one of my first rotations in afghanistan uh, i met up with a battalion commander whose name i will not mention obviously for security reasons but 
uh, we befriended him, you know, through the rotation. I think it was seven or eight months at that point. Worked with him, you know, shared meals with him, fought, you know, had soldiers die. Uh, that that bond that you you can't form, you know, any other way. Flash forward almost ten years, I went back on a rotation uh, where I was up near the capital city, and when I when I got there, I was asking about who the commander was of forces for for the Afghans at that point. He mentioned this gentleman's name, who was then a general officer. And I said, uh, sir, if we could, let's let's get a couple of goats and let's have a feast. And he said, why? I said, this this man, this is a man I know well. And so um, if you, you need help, you know, because he was a brand new commander, establish an initial rapport with this gentleman. I think I can help you do that. And so we did. We got a couple of, you know, goats and a bunch of local <laughs> Afghan bread and rice and just, you know, set the table, so to speak. And this old man at the place we were at, there's a, a long hill, probably about 200 yards long. And uh, he was at the bottom of the hill and I was standing at the top and he, <laughs> he saw it. No, granted, he was in his early 60s at this point. He saw me at the top of the hill and he yelled, chief. And he literally ran to the top of the hill. I thought he was going to have a heart attack. And it was hugging and kissing. And it was just, I don't know, it almost brings a tear to my thinking about it now, but that kind of loyalty is why we do what we do. And I don't want to be Debbie Downer here, but, you know, we talk about the way things transition from Afghanistan. I think a lot of veterans had a lot of heartburn um, because of those close personal relationships that we built um, over literally 20 years. You know, the men who dedicated themselves to the mission on both sides of, of, of the pond, man, I'll tell you it, it breaks my heart now, and that's why I'm involved in some of the organizations I am to continue to bring, you know, our interpreters and and the people that we trained, you know, to a safer situation. I won't say too much more about that, but honestly, it just it is a mission that we are driven by because of the loyalty and brotherhood that we established with the people that we worked with uh, all those years. Well said, Chief. Yeah. Um, you know, we were talking offline before we started the interview, too, about some of these like cross-cultural exchanges or how you see, you know, some of American culture seep into Afghanistan and 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 how they kind of mix it with Afghanistan culture. Uh, share with me like a memory or two about that. Oh, of course. And, you know, as the as the rotations go over time, we exchange things, you know, with people. And next thing you know, uh, I don't know, maybe your audience knows about this, but uh, in Afghanistan, they like to bling their AKs, especially the bad guys. Um, so, so when I say bling, I mean, it's like bright, shiny tape and just the trucks. I don't know if you've ever heard of a jingle truck or, or seen one, but it is appropriately named simply because of everything that is strapped to it. It's You just don't expect to see those kind of things. And, and I do appreciate, you know, the reflective tape that, that the bad guys put on their weapons. It's helped me a lot, a lot of time. So shout out to you guys. Keep putting your tape on your weapons. Love you for that. Good stuff. And we're back at CBS Eye on Veterans, and today we're talking with Special Forces veteran Sean Piotz and Hollywood actor-director Devin Reeve about how they met and collaborated on a groundbreaking video game called With Them, Front Lines. The game takes players into combat action on many of the battlefields where U.S. forces actually conducted operations. But before the game really came to life, 
Sean and his game design partners needed some creative help and some connections in LA. So we turned to Heroes Linked, a career and networking site where industry experts bring their connections and mentorship to help vets advance into awesome careers. Now we'll jump back into my conversation with the guys and hear more about Sean's unlikely path from spec ops to the chief operating officer of a video game company. Yeah, um, toward the end of my career, I moved from uh, the center of the universe, uh, now called Fort Liberty, then called Fort Bragg. Uh, out here to San Antonio, Texas, I had the opportunity to be an active duty advisor to the National Guard out here. Uh, my wife being from San Antonio, it was kind of a natural move for us. And so that that was a huge cultural change, by the way, but I'll leave that alone too. And so as transition happened, <clears throat> job opportunities for me at Fort Bragg obviously would have been a lot more plentiful than they're out here. In, in San Antonio, if you're an Air Force cyber guy, then you're employed any place that you want to be. And, it, and the transition process then was just a little bit different is now there's amazing organizations out there now uh, that help people kind of find their path and then find a mentor. And it's it's weird when you're uh, later on in a career and you've been doing the mentoring uh, all this time, and then now you need to go seek a mentor to move forward with the next phase of your life. You know, it's learning a different vocabulary. It's understanding what the business landscape looks like for your area. Uh, and, and to tell you the truth, all the same principles, you know, they learned in the military still apply. It's it's about targeting the right people with the right piece of paper at the right time. But essentially, it's about networking. And it's about the ability to leverage the people in your network to find what your next, you know, horizon might be. And like I said, there's a lot of organizations out there now that are really, really good at doing the translation between military skills and civilian skills. And so uh, I'm not going to tell you that it was easy. Uh, it's not easy. It takes work. And you have got to leverage every asset that you have. Uh, but so many of us pick the entrepreneurial path because we just don't want to work for anybody anymore, to be honest with you. It's it's like, look, we can do this. And and I tell my, my partners all the time, there is nothing in this world that you know two or three Green Berets can't figure out. Nothing. I believe that honestly and sincerely. Is it always the easy path? <laughs> no, man. <laughs> generally, it's generally the hard way. You know, we'd love to learn it the easy way, but unfortunately, those lessons aren't internalized as much as when you learn it the hard way. But honestly, I have found that hard work is one part of the equation, but working smart is more important than that. <laughs> and working smart for me involved understanding when I needed help. And that was reaching out, you know, to Heroes Linked. I'm like, I, you know, storytelling doesn't really come natural to me in a public forum, you know, in a close-knit circle. Absolutely, I'll tell war stories all day long. But the ability to tell other people's stories, we needed help with. And that's why I went to Heroes Linked. And that's how, you know, we got linked up with Devin, who's a professional storyteller. Um, you know, and his his ability and his chops to understand kind of the direction that we're looking through with his relationship with the military in the past, I think was exactly what we were looking for. And it's simple. It couldn't have been more simple. Hey, I'm looking for X. And then boom, you know, here's Devin. I'm like, hey, man, what's going on? He's like, what's up, dude? And it was that easy. I mean, that is ridiculous. I mean, think a guy like me who, you know, knows nothing about Hollywood, certainly. Now, all of a sudden, is talking to a guy that lives out on a daily basis. Phenomenal. And that is the networking that I'm talking about. So it's just you know, big, big kudos to Heroes Link for doing all that they do for us in the military. And, you know, for all the mentors who volunteer their time, you know, to come in and, and say, yeah, man, I'll, I'll hey, knuckle dragger. You're my kind of guy. I'll help you. 
Yeah, man. Love the love the enlisted military term knuckle dragger. That's awesome. Now, Devin, talk to me about, uh, you know, your involvement. What did it look like, you know, from your side? So we created my little video profile. I put it up there. And within a week, Sean and one other person reached out to me. Um, one was the first person was asking me about, um, you know, some acting classes in the Las Vegas area. I had to get involved into the acting world. So I gave her some advice on that. And then uh, Sean came to me with um, his amazing project, uh, this game. That was a first-person shooter game, but they wanted to incorporate the real-life stories of real-life soldiers in the game. They wanted to have a campaign mode, and so they were looking for someone to really help them on the creative end of the storytelling within the game itself. I thought it was just an amazing opportunity. One, as a Call of Duty fan, how cool would it would it be to play a game that is in the same same genre, but to actually follow to play a real-life character? to go and take that character on real life missions and learn a little bit about a little bit of history uh, about that character and about what they went through. You know, like that's such a cool and amazing idea. When I spoke with Sean and, and I think I had an immediate connection. And so, yeah, I think there's just the, the synergy between the whole group and the respect between each other. And it's like, you know, it's, I've learned a lot from them about the, the inner workings of how they developed the game and, the start out is just a story, but I love the project so much that I was like, I, I I can bring more to the table than just create a storyteller. Like, let me see if I can facilitate by bring some more, bring some more people on that are in the tech world or that are in the gaming world or that financing to help finish the game. And they were open to that, which I'm, I'm thankful for because we we've, we've been able to put together uh, a, a pretty solid uh, team outside of what we had when we first started. All right, so before the game with them front lines really came to life in virtual reality, it had to start in our reality. And uh, Sean, Lucas Hamrick, and computer programming wizard Nick Donarski met and decided to create Or System, uh, the visionary game development company. Sean, tell me like the backstory of how you guys got into this industry. Lucas Hamrick, our CEO, is actually a special forces guy, just like me, a uh, retired warrant officer. Um, I was invited to the party after the after they initially started. Lucas and Nick actually met on the internet, <laughs> believe it or not. Uh, and, and the, it's it's kind of weird as that sounds, but they 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 had a conversation in a room, you know, being sociable. And next thing you know, they're like, "Hey, man, I think we can we can do something cool." And and with them wasn't our first um, foray into the game building business. Um, we have another uh, game out there that is fully integrated called Osiris Protocol. But it was a good baseline for us to kind of work through our journey as a, you know, really small kind of a game studio slash technology company that allowed us to to conceive of this project and get, you know, behind something that we were there. You know, the two of us kind of bring the military slant to the to the you know, super geekdom that Nick brings to the equation. And, and the thing that we were kind of missing on the creative side of town is Devin. And so when we found Devin, you know, isolated and alone yep. <laughs> out, there, out there in the Heroes Link world, we're like, hey, man, <laughs> we could really use somebody with some artistic I'm just talent. looking for some friends, <laughs> yeah. some friend to talk to. <laughs> now, with some experience designing one game, uh, you guys got the idea to do something that really captured the combat veteran experience. How did that all get started? At the end of the day, the three of us came together and we were actually at Consumer Electronics out in Las Vegas. 
Um, initially, we built an entire ecosystem around uh, gaming that incorporated, you know, blockchain and NFTs and the rest of it. But to tell you the truth, it's not something we were completely involved and passionate about from a veteran standpoint. And it just kind of came up around the table one night and we were like, hey, man, let, let's do this because I think this will resonate. And it's something that we can get behind and are passionate about because we're those dudes, man. Uh, and I think from there, it just kind of took off. And we started the development of it and we built a few iterations and a few maps. And And Nick was like, hey, does this look like something you know, someplace you've been, I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. That's the place right there. And you could tell, you know, when the kind of the hair stands up on your on your arms a little bit and you're like, that's the place I have been in that place. And so as you, you know, you look through some of these maps and, and some are fun to play and some are uh, an, an FOB, what we call an FOB. It's a base camp. So Nick said, well, I can I can build these based on, you know, GIS coordinates. I'll have to take a little bit of artistic up, but literally use ArcGIS and overlays, you know, the map on top of actual terrain for an actual place. And so it started the snowball. And so we're like, well, how real can you make this? And it's like, I mean, pretty real. And so as you, as this thing continues to morph and build, it's just going to get better and better. And the stories are going to become more, you know, and so mm-hmm. are the characters. And now we've incorporated Ready Player Me which is kind of a new technology that allows you to tweak your character. If you want to run around in there with, you know, uh, orange spiked hair and whatever the case is. And we did that just to get people involved to be part of the tribe, right? There's our characters, right? And we got cool kit and whatever the case might be, but you can also just be you in that game. And so we think that, you know, gaming brings people together into tribes because that's how we socially relate to each other because you've become isolated. When you leave the military, believe it or not, it happened to me too. You know, I'm, I work from home and people are like, that's the best thing ever. Well, maybe not, right? Because when you're a social human and you're, you're used to having a support team around you at all times and all of a sudden you're isolated, that's when those factors of, you know, it's those pillars of resiliency that we love to talk about. It's friends, family, faith, fitness, finances, those type of things start to degrade over time. And the more you're isolated, the weaker you are. And that's why I encourage, we encourage people, hey, man, get in a Discord. Just chat with somebody. You know, play a game. It doesn't have to be our game. Just play a game. You know, because that's how people relate to each other socially these days. Better yet, go meet somebody in person. <laughs> uh, I'm perfectly happy if you're not playing our game, if you're actually getting the support that you need outside of whatever it is. That's really where it's kind of morphing from video game into, like, really a mental health support tool. Shed some light on some of the dynamic things this game is doing there to help and support the medical community. And so this is how mission creep happens. This happens in the military, too. What started off in earnest to be a video game has now transformed itself into a tool to help those that we seek to help. And so currently on the on the release on November 21st, what we'll have is a, an AI chatbot, a medical chatbot integrated into the game. Uh, we also have integrated a tinnitus generator for people like me who have tinnitus to gain just a little relief while they're playing the game. And so this game and the stories that Devin will tell in the future as we build the campaign mode, initially we just have about five maps that people can play and it's really interesting gameplay because it's competitive and fun and kind of cool. And I'm a character in the game, which is kind of cool. <laughs> but, <laughs> It's funny, as a little aside, you know, um, the people who have lent their characters to this game, people like Rick Lamb, who is a U.S. SOCOM legend. I don't know if you've ever heard of Rick Lamb, but really all you have to do is one Google and you'll find him. 
uh, and, and several others. Carl Erickson is a fifth group sergeant major that's retired. Brian Halstead is is also an entrepreneur who owns a company called um, Opline Vetline, which actually translates military skills to civilian speak and pairs you you know, with people who are looking for your skill set. So for your listeners, I'd encourage you, if you're a military guy, jump on there, build yourself a profile. It's always free for the military. Phenomenal piece of software. Uh, but these are the guys who said, yeah, man, we'll, we'll, we'll do that for you. I'm like, there's nothing in it for you, dude. <laughs> They're like, no, I'll, I'll, no, I'll do it for you. I'm like, right on. That's the brotherhood. Right. And so, you know, we're looking for seals. We're looking uh, for females. We're looking for, and any, we want to represent obviously what the military currently represents today. So the beauty of that is we continuously build out, we're not using, you know, based on characters, we're using you. And so on our webpage, uh, with them.vet or with them.co, you can go actually read the bios of the characters that are currently in the game. That's the beginning of us telling your story. Um, as we progress through this to campaign mode, that's when Devin's artistic um, expertise is going to come in. And what we'd love to have is many documentaries embedded into the game. So when you're starting to play that game and you see that character and you get a little bit more interested, then you can go actually learn about them. You know, beyond that, uh, our, our game has now transpired into what will become potentially a therapeutic modality in the virtual reality world. Uh, we're incorporating the ability for a therapist to be in a VR setting with a person to work through their particular trauma. And again, these trauma scenarios, you know, we don't, the military doesn't own the patent on PTSD. <laughs> so uh, as, as this thing expands, you know, to future generations of uh, firefighters, first responders, you know, anyone really who has trauma, the ability for a therapist to be present with you in a situation to hit pause and say, okay, let's talk about what you're feeling right now. Beyond that, we've incorporated biometrics into that. So what we're trying to do there is match subjective input data with objective biometric data from our sensor initially, which is a wearable band. And what we think we can do there is build a more informed model for people to tweak therapy, maybe non-traditionals, things like hyperbaric oxygen therapy, things like stellate ganglion block, things like transcranial magnetic stimulation, you know, potentially some other treatments. There's not a big database out there that currently incorporates that data pre, during, and post-treatment. And so through these interfaces, our game is an interface. We're creating that long game for objective data so that researchers and doctors can identify early. And I think the bigger and more robust our project gets and the more data that's gathered from, you know, treatment failures, to be quite honest with you, uh, the better we get. I talked to a young gentleman this morning who uh, we're linking up with our initial clinic up in Idaho to get him through this non-traditional treatment. He's having lots and lots of trouble sleeping, you know, and from that comes anxiety, obviously, part of the PTSD thing. And then we don't know what this older population is going to do yet as we become the older population, right? Oftentimes, PTSD leads to things like Alzheimer's, you know, above the age of 60 to 65. And so we're thinking if we can catch it early, we want to provide that data through an interface that, you know, is natively video. Yep, they're gamers. They're guys who, on deployment, <laughs> in their downtime, played video games. And so for us, it's a natural way to reach out to that population that we don't think is currently being reached. So if we can connect with them, we can build that tribe, we can tell stories and say, it's okay to come forward and tell your story too. Uh, all the things that surround kind of what we're doing in the initial part of this with, with them front lines, you know, will hopefully morph into a tool 
And again, you know, what happens when you trigger someone? We need we need somewhere to offload you to. And there's several organizations out there uh, currently that provide direct peer intervention and then even professional intervention beyond that. We, we say this all the time. Nobody's coming for you, dude. It's us. And there's nothing we can't figure out together. The ability for us to get together and, and to be part of a solution, I think, is what we have to do now. Let's turn now to Devin and uh, talk to us more about what the game looks like, feels like, and you know what people experience when they play it. Sure. Yeah. Some of the, some of the concepts we uh, we discussed is uh, you know they had their their everything kind of mapped out already and tried to enhance it. So you know we talked about um, let's take this World War II character and place him in the game, and how can we give a little bit of history about what this soldier has gone through in his life, and you know maybe in the lobby. You know, you could take your characters and they can run around. They can go to the the um, the weapon depot or they can go to um, uh, the firing range. Or they can go to all these different places that would be like in the, the lobby base camp area. You know, and maybe they come across this, this World War II veteran sitting on a bar stool somewhere. And you can go up and, you know, click A and talk to him. And he starts telling you, like, who he is and what his background is. And, you know, a little bit of history lesson about who that person is. and to me, that's like a really cool element of the game because not only are you playing these characters, you're also learning not about the modern soldiers, but you're learning a little bit about history as well. And to me, that's, that was pretty fascinating because and you can embed these type of characters. like They're like little hidden treasures that you can run around and try to find um, oh. and within the lobby itself, which I think is really cool because it, it, it then becomes a game that's not just about running around shooting things. It becomes a little treasure hunt in the different areas. You know, you get, you find a map and it's like, Oh, you need to go here. And then say you get, uh, you go from point A to point B. And once you get to point B, there's a, you have to go talk to Lieutenant Dan. And then Lieutenant Dan's a real life person who's telling you like, this is our mission. This is what we're going to do. And, and to me, that makes it way more entertaining than just running around shooting. It's a first-person shooter game blended with some some adventure. And ideally for veterans, it's even a way to help them overcome their PTSD by having their story told. Those kind of guys, we want to tell their stories. And and that's really this the part that Devin really is going to help us contribute in the future with these campaign modes is the ability to tell stories of these heroes. There's tons. We have tons of heroes. We don't have to make anything up. I mean, there are great heroes in this country, you know, from all the Medal of Honor winners on down the line, you know, to everything that all the unsung heroes, you know, from from wars past. Um, it's just we want to be able to tell all their stories. And, and it may not all be in the form of a video game or integrated into the video game, but we certainly have a website. And you can go there and, and and read about some of those heroes. And so that's that's the goal for this thing is to just keep it moving forward. Initially, we have, you know, the characters that we have is five of us. And as we go forward, we'd love to have 5,500. I mean, that's And so, we, you know, the call is open. If you want to be a character in this video game, you have a story to tell. You, you're a veteran. Um, we've kind of made this a lot about veterans. And that's what we and, want. Yeah, my goal is to help them tell, you know, uh, beautiful stories and to for the longevity be to expand beyond the video game. Because I think a lot of these who uh, gave their time to our, to our country and their service, you know, deserve a platform to tell their stories. So, you know, I'm looking at like, hey, can we expand this into uh, to a movie? Can we expand it into a TV series or a web series or 
or whatever other platform we can put out there to bring awareness to what they've done to the mental health and the the healing aspect of uh, that goes along with life in general uh, or becoming a civilian or whatever it may be. So it's um, I think there's a, a, a long road ahead of us. And this is just the beginning of some really amazing stories while helping the soldiers who are, or anyone going through PTSD or whatever it may be there, that the help that healing factor is, is the most important part to me in this whole thing, you know, and, you know, speaking of like you mentioned Alzheimer's earlier, Alzheimer's runs in my family. Uh, grandmother had it. My mom currently has dementia. Fortunately, it's not Alzheimer's yet. Hopefully it won't get that way, but like I'm a big advocate for that as well. So, you know, it's all connected when it comes to the mental health healing for everyone. You know, like you said, Philip, it's, Everyone has some kind of trauma in their life, whether it's losing a parent or losing a child or whatever it may be. Well, you mentioned there that I think, uh, you know, increasing neuroplasticity, there's a lot of games out there on the, on the handhelds now on the phone that are directed to that, right? Yeah. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, that's one of my biggest fears. You know, having, you know, TBI and PTSD and all the rest of it, as, as I go forward, I'm far more likely to develop Alzheimer's and that scares the hell out of me. And I think it's important to, have accountability of what we put ourselves. It's like, we, we all have trauma and that's okay. But what's important is how do we move forward with dealing with that? And if you're not taking accountability for trying to heal and move forward, then you're only staying in the same place and you're only causing more harm to yourself. So that's why we chose what we did initially for the audience that we serve. We feel like that's a happy place, right? So exposure therapy is a real thing. The ability to go back into a video and sometimes video games trigger, you know, various memories within you, whether it's sound. For me, it's a lot of the sound, um, sound sites, whatever it might be. Uh, we chose that originally and, and we'll continue with it simply because I think that's where veterans find their happy spaces. Uh, it's a, it's a place where it's counterintuitive as it may sound. You know, treating PTSD with a with a first person shooter game. Uh, there's actually lots of studies out there on the street that show that type of immersion really does help. And as we ratchet this thing up to a different interface, uh, which includes some VR in the future, uh, I think the ability to put someone in a situation like that will be very, very powerful. And if through the use of some of the uh, additional treatments that are out on the street that aren't mainstream and well informed by data just yet, we can we can do that then I think we can shorten that therapeutic time, you know, which, which saves the taxpayer money. I'm, as a taxpayer, I'm interested in that. And so uh, if we can shorten treatment, um, maybe even sometime be curative in nature, you know, you never, that's a, that's a huge lofty goal, but ideally we want somebody to be better than they are today. And if, and if our tools that we provide can get somebody there, uh, then I'm happy. If we keep one person from taking their own life, Everything we've done to this date is worth it to me. Everything. So the other great thing is with the online community, it's, you know, you can come across people who are dealing with going through the same thing and actually have dialogue while you're playing within your community. Outside of all the other therapeutic stuff, strike conversations, which I think that dialogue very important. Man, I never thought I'd be so profoundly impressed by a video game. I mean, I'm kind of old school. I go back to like Nintendo and like, you know, those days. But uh, man, the work you guys are doing just sounds sounds so good. And uh, with them, front lines. You know what? I'm inspired. I think I want to make a cameo in this thing. Is there any way I can get a video embed of, you know, the life of 
some random Navy photojournalist. You know, there I show up there on the forward operating base. I'm sitting around the fire. You know, everyone's teasing me like, hey, man, aren't you lost? Shouldn't you be on an aircraft carrier somewhere? <laughs> and I'm taking everybody's pictures like, dude, dude, come on, man. Hold the rifle up. I'll get you on Facebook. Absolutely. You, you are now a character in the game that they will come across. <laughs> that, that can absolutely happen, Phil. Right on. All right, so much to say about With Them Frontlines. It is a video game. It is a first-person shooter game that takes you right onto the very soil and the landscape that uh, U.S. military forces fought in, in Iraq and Afghanistan, and uh, really highlighting heroes not only of the modern-day era of the global war on terrorism, but, uh, you know, there's some cool really cool inserts in there from historical characters dating all the way back to world war two. And you can interact with them in a variety of ways, not just in the combat game scenario, but you know, sort of away from that much the way our actual military lived right there on the forward operating bases. And of course, huge thanks to both you guys for making this thing, not just a video game that we can enjoy, but uh, you know, have some mental health things wrapped up into it, whether it's some of the feedback you get in your ear from the game, whether it's tracking mental health, being able to do it with uh, mental health therapy, or even just finding your tribe. Uh, There's just so much, so much to get your head around with this game and uh, super cool. So with that, where do I get more information about it? When's it drop? And the game launches, when's the game launch? Uh, November November 21st. We should be out on Steam. Uh, We're still working through some Xbox hiccups uh, with controller support, but Hopefully, we'll release uh, on Xbox within the next six months or so. Uh, currently, we're just a PC game. I say just we're a PC game, <laughs> which is which is huge. Uh, we can you can play with your controller on PC, uh, just not on your console just yet. Such good stuff, guys. Man, I really appreciate both your time. And if you're a veteran searching for a way to jumpstart your post-military career, check out HeroesLinked.com. And if you want more about the game with them frontlines well it's easy just follow it on social at with them frontlines i'm navy veteran phil briggs and i'll be back again next week with more great veteran stories on cbs eye on veterans Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Ion Veterans ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at Wondery.com survey. Are you ready for an all-new season of Survivor? You better be because Survivor 46 is here and it's 90 minutes of twists and turns you don't want to miss. Better yet, after each episode, there's a brand new episode of On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. Each week, we go behind the scenes of the episode's biggest moments, taking you into the how and the why things happened. And this season, we're very lucky to be joined by an expert, the winner of Survivor 45, Divya Daris. What is up? I'm thrilled to be joining this team and to be giving you my take on how and the why players made the moves they did what it takes to outwit, outplay, and outlast. And to ask Jeff some questions, because even after 26 days out there, there is still a lot for me to uncover. Bring it, D. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Hi. 
Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary and it's not boring. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money and maybe more importantly, on your life. I'm going to be your financial coach, someone who brings common sense and an insider's perspective on how to manage your money and your emotions. And I promise we are going to have a little bit of fun along the way. Have a question from retirement to career changes to college funding? Just send us an email at askjill at jillonmoney.com. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app.